Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you once again. This week, I am going to have a return guest. His name is Tony Overbay. You might remember him from a few episodes back where he was on my show talking about how to successfully navigate a faith journey, change, crisis, transition, whatever you want to call it, where couples are struggling with the complexities of one person leaving the faith that they share. Tony did a great job on those two episodes, and we covered a lot of ground. And Tony had me as a guest on his podcast. It's called The Virtual Couch, and you should go check it out. And Tony and I had a great discussion on building trust. And I love the episode so much that I asked Tony if I could share it on my podcast. And he was super gracious and said, yeah, totally. So that's what I'm going to share with you today is the interview Tony did with me on his podcast, because it's such a great conversation and I want you guys to hear it. But before we jump into that episode, I want to tell you about an exciting new course that I just developed for couples who are trying to heal from the impact of an affair, an emotional affair, sexual affair. This is a smaller course than some of the bigger stuff I've done. This course is only a couple hours long and it's a very low cost. You can pick it up for 15 to 20, 25, 30 bucks. And the reason the price changes is because it's, it's on the learning platform called Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. Maybe you've purchased courses on there before. They have all kinds of courses on like photography or computer skills or other kinds of things. And they also do courses on relationships. And so I built one on healing from an affair. As you might know, if you've gone through this, healing from an affair is extremely tricky and very messy. Lots of things to consider. So I've tried to put in this course as much information as I can on structuring and helping a couple deal with the crisis of the affair and then know what next steps to take. So you can find this course on Udemy. Just search my name, udemy.com, or you can go to my website, From Crisis to Connection. Go to the courses section and you'll see it there at the bottom. And you can click on there and and check it out. I hope you'll look at it, pass along to anybody you know who's had an affair, gone through an affair, trying to heal from an affair. Without help, it's really hard to heal a marriage without any kind of help or support. And the good news is, is that couples that have gone through infidelity, even though it's super awful and really painful, over 80% of them end up healing when they get help. And so the odds are really, really in your favor if you will do the work. So go check that out. And of course, on my website, I've got a few other courses that I've built and would love to be a support to you, regardless of whatever you're working on. And I'm in the middle right now of actually working on and filming and creating a lot more content. And so I'm really excited to be sharing that with you in the next several months. Okay, let's jump into my interview here with Tony Overbay. I'll just give you a quick introduction on Tony. 
and then we'll dive in. Again, this is from his show, The Virtual Couch. It's a podcast that I love. And Tony is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he does a lot of work with pornography recovery, couples recovery, and he also does a lot of work, as we talked about on uh, his previous podcast with me, on helping couples navigate faith transitions. Tony also is a motivational speaker and an author, and he just has a lot of great stuff going on. You can check him out on TonyOverbay.com, and I'll put links to all that in the show notes. And in this interview, Tony and I just dive right into a little bit about my story, which was you know, always fun to talk about because Tony and I, even though we're two peas in a pod here, um, we actually haven't really worked together very much. So it's been really fun to connect with him. And, and uh, we did a lot of the getting to know each other on this podcast, which was really cool. And, and then we dive right into the whole topic of rebuilding trust, which is such an important topic for couples that are trying to heal from all kinds of betrayal. Uh, lots of ways we get hurt and banged up in marriage. And rebuilding trust is an essential skill that everybody should understand if you're going to have a long-term happy marriage. Okay, let's dive into Tony's interview with me on his podcast, The Virtual Couch. Jeff Stewart, welcome to The Virtual Couch. Tony, my brother from another mother, man. Just like, no, right? I, <laughs> Honestly. I, that's why I, I couldn't wait to, to do the joke. I think on your <laughs> podcast where I was saying, when I was looking over your website, I mean, we are the same other than you are far more handsome, have a lot more hair. But I mean, we've both written books about pornography, addiction and recovery. We've got podcasts. We've, uh, I guess I maybe that's, okay. yeah. So crazy. I just, oh, same thing. I, when I first started, like same people like, hey, Tony, I was like, I started looking at your stuff and I'm like, wait a second. We like almost do the exact same things. This is so dang cool. You know, some people might feel threatened by that, but I that's just, what I was going to say. Fantastic. Yeah. Cause I really think there's a cool <laughs> thing there with the, the concept of like a scarcity mindset versus a growth or a, you know, oh, a growth yeah. mindset. Cause uh, totally. we're both just, uh, we're both just trying to, to change oh, the yeah. world. Right. Jeff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. People are hurting, man. Yeah. Hey, so I was just, I, and I think I was, going to mention something that then someday this will seem dated, but I was, when I was uh, waiting for us to begin, I was looking at my phone to see what the air quality is to see if we're going to watch high school football tonight, because there are so many fires in the area that I met. And I feel like anywhere I talk to someone, there's some sort of national or you know natural disaster. How are things in Southern Utah? Yeah. Air quality stinks and it? definitely have some, yeah, we've got, we've got fires in California that are, the, the smoke is wafting over here. And so, yeah, it's tough. Like usually we have beautiful clear blue skies here, but it's just hazy. So it's kind of, mm. you know, we don't usually get that kind of weather over here, except in fire season, but. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate so there's a here. fire season, you know? Hey, so uh, help my listeners know a little bit more about you. Give me your background. Tell me about you, Jeff. Totally. So I actually am celebrating 25 years of marriage on Monday. Oh, congratulations. My wife, Jody. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we've got four kids uh, ages 22 to 12 and yeah, I, I went to BYU, studied to be a journalist, and then I ended up oh. at Auburn, Auburn University doing marriage and family therapy and uh, been a marriage and family therapist. Okay, I got to stop you right there. I, little yeah. did I know when I'm saying we have all these things. So that was my uh, initial major in college as well was journalism. So that is, uh, <laughs> why, did, why did you change your major or why did you stop? I didn't change it. I, I, okay. mean, I, I graduated with a communications degree. and then, Same, um, same. I did not know this about you. Mine's mass communications. Yeah, mass communications, communication okay. studies from BYU. And then my senior year, I my wife and I had been married just a few weeks. I just, well, I met Wally Goddard, maybe who you know, and mm. we lived next door to him. And we ended up living with him for two years in their basement. 
And it was, it was from that experience that I decided I wanted to be a marriage family therapist. We just talked about marriages and families and all kinds of cool parenting about these fictitious kids we didn't have yet. And my wife and I would start talking about parenting stuff and it was just so dynamic and interesting. And I just thought, I got to do this for a living. This is nuts. People talk about this for a living. Hmm. And so I ended up, this was my senior year. So I ended up changing a few classes around and kind of got what I needed and then ended up getting accepted into Auburn and did my my master's degree in MFT over there, moved to Alabama. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So I've, I've worked now as an MFT since, I mean, I've been doing therapy with people for, you know, 23, 22 years. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions about that that I did not know yeah. about either. Um, first of all, I think I missed the opportunity for a joke of, were you an amazing parent to the fictitious kids? Much better than oh, with the real better. kids. Oh, dang. My wife and I would have actual real arguments about fake children that didn't exist, right? (laughs) (laughs) We would would all of a sudden just start like, you know, discovering kind of all the different things that we had opinions about that you don't know you have opinions about. And it was just really funny because at some points we would stop each other and go like, we don't even have children. Why are we even talking about this? Yeah. But it was the collision of our our ideas, our values, our backgrounds. But yeah, so so interesting those conversations. No, I love that. Um, because it's <laughs> funny. We have kids that are four kids as well, twenty-two to or twenty-three to seventeen, somewhere around there. I'm, I know I'm in the ballpark, and things do get a lot different. And we were just commenting a few days ago about boy, when we were young, we really did feel like this isn't so bad. You know, we've got these uh, whole parenting thing figured out. And I've had a couple of people in my office lately that have said, boy, I wish I could go back there. And uh, because it seems so much easier. And so, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Right. Have all the answers. Be so confident. I know. Yeah. But, but hey, I, and I, so I, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I'm so sorry, Jeff. I, I've got I've got ridiculous follow up questions. I mean, another one that I have is I didn't realize you've been doing, you know, actively doing therapy for so long. And I'm always fascinated by people that come out and they are working as therapists in their early twenties without kids, without, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're just now married. And what was that experience like for you? Did people respect you? Did they, you know, did they want somebody that had already been through the, you know, been through the, the ringer, so to speak? Well, I think the people that were brave enough to say something would say things to me, like I'm old enough to be your mother or, Uh you know, stuff like that. But I think overall, like, I mean, I had really good training from Auburn, great uh-huh. supervisors, great professors. And then my first job out of grad school was at a rural mental health clinic in Arizona. And wow. I worked there, worked there for six years. And so that gave me kind of like, you would just call it like street smarts. Like I just okay. worked with so many different kinds of cases, cradle to grave, every issue under the sun, serious mental wow. illness, marriages, parenting, child therapy, everything. And so, you know, my, my skill set just really accelerated during that time. Okay. It was, I, I just, I felt like at the time that everybody needs to come work in a place like this because it was okay. so good, it exposed me to so many things. And it was there that I learned what I really wanted to do. But yeah, no, it was tough. Like I was trying to do therapy with teenagers when I had a one-year-old or I was trying yeah. to work with these marriages, you know, that have been married 30 years and I've been married five years, you know, mm. and, and so Yes. Now that I've been married 25 years, I'm 47 years old. I've got all these, you know, two over two decades of experience under my belt. I mean, obviously my confidence is a lot higher now in -hmm. terms of my ability to not only, you know, my training and experience, but also just lived experience. I just am not rattled by as much. Yeah. And I have a lot more confidence that things are going to work out or there's, there's ways to figure it out. We can get there from here, right? Like there's just things we can do. 
I love that. that I mean, that confidence that things will work out. I, I, yeah. I love that because that's going to play a lot into what we're talking about today with trust and boundaries. And yeah, um, let me stay on that vein too. How did you, you talk about, you started to find the population you wanted to work with. What was that experience like? Or how did you, how did you find the population? Yeah. So I was working, I was doing so much child therapy. I had okay. a play therapy room, the puppets, the whole works. Wow. And, and I, I loved it, but then I, I noticed that I would go home and not want to play with my own kids because I was so mm. played out. Okay. And I thought, okay, this isn't good. My kids will eventually grow up, but do I love this. Like, is it really my thing? And what I found myself doing was I was always wanting to meet with the parents. I wanted to get my hands on the marriage. I was yeah. like, let's go up to the headwaters, man. Like these kids obviously may have their own issues and temperaments and challenges, but I knew that there was something systemically going on upstream that I wanted to get my hands on. And so I ended up doing a lot of marriage therapy and billing it under the child's name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. For so, the insurance or for the, just cause I wanted those parents to get a better environment for themselves and their kids. And, and that's where I was like, okay, I need to do, I need to work with marriages. And I, I registered my business, moved to Utah mm. and started my marriage therapy practice. If anybody was, uh, if this is the first time they're they're hearing me, the comment, I'm sure the quote would be, uh, if they're following you over here to this podcast, they're going to say, all right, Tony, back off talking about yourself here. But I cannot, I, I had no idea about this part of your career. And I started with kid therapy as well. Uh, of that course was my, you did. Tony, uh, like we have the same this is, this is insane. And the whole reason I, I didn't, I went away from it was surprisingly because I wanted to deal with the parents because I felt like I was just um, yeah. giving the kid coping skills. Exactly. Where, right. Oh, that's exactly. crazy, Jeff. That is. All right. So then you go to Utah and now you're doing more couples at that yeah, point. Yeah. So when I, when I moved to Utah in 2006, I was starting to do some work in my agency in Arizona. I was starting to run into online pornography issues, sexual okay. betrayal issues. And this was, this was in 2006. So the internet had been high-speed internet was in homes now at this point, mm. you know, in the early 2000s. And you were starting now to see sort of like the tsunami of you know, online sexual betrayal stuff starting to come yeah. into our offices, at least in my office. And this was in a rural community where, you know, there's no, you know, dirty magazine stores or strip mm. clubs or nothing. This was like rural conservative community, but people were just blowing apart their marriages with all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely a problem. And I need, I don't know what to do. I had training in marriage therapy and some other stuff, but like, I just, I didn't have, I wasn't equipped. So I reached out and got some training from the Lifestar Network, from Dan okay. Gray, Todd Olson, those guys. Yeah. And I, they ended up saying, hey, we'll give you the, the rights, if you will, or the, the territory for Southern Utah. And I, mo I moved out there, moved out to St. Wow. George and opened up a sexual addiction treatment program that I ran for 15 years. Wow. And I recently sold it. And so, but I really cut my teeth sort of working with this population here in St. George and Mark Chamberlain brought me on as a co-author for his book a few years later, Kevin Skinner. I just started really connecting with a lot of these, these great therapists and mentors here in Utah of these guys that were doing some really great cutting edge work at the time mm -hmm. and are still, still doing great work. And it just was, I just kind of fell into this community of, of professionals and friends that were working with these issues and, and helping a lot of couples and, and boy, they have just come in over the years and we've just been able to help so many people with, you know, pornography issues, sexual betrayal, infidelity, and then really learning how to put these marriages back together, especially as I went and did my training and emotionally focused couples therapy back in yeah. 2009 with Sue Johnson and her team. 
And so I just have had the opportunity and have been so fortunate to get great training, great mentors, great thought leaders. And we've just been able to do a lot of good things with these couples that are just looking for help, you know? Yeah. And again, it's so, and I think, uh, I don't think I even stress this enough at the beginning of this show. I loved being on your, your podcast so much. And we talked about people that are navigating a faith journey. And then we ended up landing a little bit around the EFT principles, or I've got my four pillars of a, of a connected conversation. But so I feel like that is so important to have that framework, but what I feel like I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, and I think you've got, uh, such good ideas here on so you know let's say we've got this framework to communicate but how do we uh, how do we start rebuilding trust and i feel like that is the biggest thing that you see especially when those couples come in and they just feel like they are in such crisis and i don't know what's that like for you where do you go first what do you do yeah well that i mean that's the biggest reason why i built my trust building course and spent okay. so much of my I, I wanted to really focus in on this because so many couples would come in and they would have a church leader or a loved one or themselves just think, well, we just need to work on our marriage. We need to go on more dates or, right. you know, and they're bleeding out. I mean, th- yeah. there's been a major betrayal. There's been a discovery. There's been some major infidelity or something. And the couple just is trying to now like put back the marriage, but it's like, it's like putting back together something that it's like the pieces don't even fit. It's so shattered. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you just, the, the things don't line up and the couple is, is in trauma one or both of them. And it's, it's just very overwhelming. So you can't just start by pushing the marriage in front and trying to work on the marriage. It's another sort of way I've, I've talked about this is that when there's been a secret or a discovery of a secret, it's like there's a big crater blown in the ground. And so the one betrayed partner drops to a different level mm-hmm. than the person who's had the information, had the upper hand in a way. And it's really critical for marriage therapy to work, for marriage enrichment and these things we like to you know talk about with strengthening marriages, there's an assumption that the couple is on level ground to one degree or another. Okay. And so there has to be, you have to backfill that crater in. You have to do things to get that relationship, get that person down in the hole, kind of back up to level ground. Because there's been such a huge violation. There's been such a, a power imbalance, a huge shift in like the, the dynamic in the relationship. Mm. So that starts with, Telling the truth, knowing exactly what's going on, safety, making sure there's healthy boundaries, making sure that that there's deep accountability from the person who broke the trust, that they're actively serving in a role as trying to help the relationship, okay. help the wounded partner. It's trauma. This is not just, hey, you know, I have a bunch of needs, you have needs, let's work on our needs together. It's not like that early on when there's a very traumatic trail like this. So that's where I start. Okay. No, I love it. And I would love to, where we could break down each one of those. And I'd love to get your thoughts. The part about telling the truth. Yeah. Gosh, I, and maybe I'd love to get your thoughts too, on the whole concept of, I always say no one, when they're going to confess or, or right after they got caught, let's say either of those situations, they don't say, all right, let's just take a time out before we do say anything, you know, dumb. And a lot of times that's where, and right now I'll just say, let's say it's the guy that is the betrayer, just we, I, we both work with sure. men or women that have done that, but then they just at times, yeah, they're going to just unload. And then, uh, and tell me if you also see at first where people come into your office and the guy has, he really has wanted to now say, okay, here's what's happened, but he's still working from this place of, and this is where my first pillar of assuming good intentions of that. I still don't want to devastate my wife. So I'm going to tell her some things, but I really would just assume conscious or subconscious tell her just enough so that she will 
understand, but then I don't want to tell her more. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, absolutely. And a, a lot of, in this case, a lot of guys will believe that they're doing this for their wife, but the truth exactly. is, I believe, is that they're doing it to manage their own shame, their own emotions. Yeah. Their own, they're so overwhelmed because they can't handle the reality of their own story. And so exactly. they're oftentimes going to give her the light version. They're going to spotlight just, you know, generally the behaviors that are either already been discovered or the ones that they think she can handle. Exactly. I like the way you put uh-huh. that. Yeah. yeah. But, but where that needs to go is that he needs to have some time with his own story first because he's yeah. been lying to himself about it. And so before he can ever really do a full inventory disclosure, whatever you want to call it, I call it a formal disclosure. Mm-hmm. Before he can do that, he's got to have some practice telling his story to a therapist, to if he's in a group, just 12-step group or church leader, he's got to have practice reducing his own shame and internal reactivity around that story before he can pass it over in full truth and humility to his wife. That's, I love the way you put that. I mean, that, because yeah, that's a, that's so good because then when he's trying to share some things, there is that shame. And I feel like oftentimes then he will, then he will pull back, which I feel like uh, causes the wife Mm -hmm. to just want to know more or, and I'm sure you see this often too, but okay. Now wife has now been hit with this trauma, this devastation, and now goes back yeah. and starts asking more questions. And so if he only gave a little bit of the information to begin with, okay, now, sure. All right. He'll tell a little bit more thinking, okay, I, I she needs to know a little bit more, but now she, what are we training her brain is that, okay, well, he obviously didn't tell me the truth. And the more I dig now I'll get the truth. And then we're exactly. starting to create this unhealthy dynamic. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the flow of the information is going in the wrong direction. It's being pulled out of him versus mm. flowing out of him. And she needs to know that he'll bring her the truth. So a lot of these guys, you know, again, they're, they're kind of caught up in their own shame. And so that can come out in different ways. They can withhold and say less information, which is what we're talking about. Right. They can even like fire hose her with all their shame and guilt and tell her way more stuff then she needs to know there can be, he can sometimes collapse into a heap of shame and feel like such a victim and like an awful person. And in some ways expect her to kind of take care of him. Exactly. Going um, in, yeah. A little bit of right. victim mode there and can, want her to rescue. Yeah, yeah. There can be all kinds of different ways this will show up. And so telling your story, you would think it would be just straightforward. Just tell the truth, man. It's not that right. simple because you're dealing with a lot of that reactivity and shame inside of them that they have to manage in a healthy way. Otherwise, they're going to overwhelm their partner and it's going to delay the trust building. So Jeff, I, it's funny. I always say that what I kind of literally just said to you, that no one is going to say, let me hit pause. Let me go meet with somebody before I even express uh, or, or we try to do this. But I mean, I have people listening to my podcast that may be on the verge of saying, all right, I need to, I need to deal with this. You know, I do need to confess something to my spouse. So what do you say? I mean, do you say, go see the therapist first? Do you give a, you know, do you go and confess and then say, but before we go any further, you know, we really need to do this the right way. I don't know. I've never asked this question. You're an expert. I mean, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. That is so tricky because you know, what you're asking them to do essentially is schedule a trauma, right? You're basically I know. Saying, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. okay, well, so here, I guess a couple scenarios. One scenario is where somebody comes into my office and by themselves and they've never told their partner, they pull me aside and say, Hey, I'm basically sitting on this huge secret. I've never told my partner, mm-hmm. you know, will you work with us as a couple or what, what do I do? 
that I can count on one hand the amount of times that has happened in my career. It's super yeah. rare, right? And it happened, it happened recently, it happened probably a year ago. And I had a client come in and she had never told her husband anything about any of this. And so I did not, I worked with her for about four or five weeks and we worked on her story. I helped her prepare a disclosure. And then I actually had her go do it with him out in the desert. Like in the, they took a drive. Oh. I had her do it out there because I sensed that he would be safe the way she described it. She felt comfortable doing it and it went really well. He wow. actually it worked out fine because I didn't want to double team with her and, and have him feel double teamed that these two people were going to basically just dump this reality on him. And I didn't have yeah. a relationship with him at all. I didn't know him at all. Wow. So that's a really unique, rare way to yeah. do it. So if you're listening to this and you're sitting on a bunch of secrets and you've never told your partner, it's important to go meet with a therapist and figure out what your options are because dumping it on your partner can cause a ton of unintended trauma. Yeah. This guy, their healing has accelerated because she came in and when she disclosed to him, she was very prepared. I had her totally ready to talk about it from a place of humility. She mm. had all the things worked out. She'd written it all down. It was organized. There was no drama. It was just like heartfelt and humble. And it went better than it could have gone if she had just blown it up. Wow. So that's one example. But the most common one is where somebody comes into my office and there's already been, I would say this is like 99% of the time. Yeah. And I just made that number up. But like, that's basically what I see is the pattern is the couple comes in and there's already been some kind of a discovery. Either he's confessed or she's confessed something, or there's been a discovery totally unintended. Mm. And what we're doing now is, is I'm having to make a case with them and say, look, do you believe that this is everything? Again, most of the time it's like, no, I don't trust them. I discovered this much or they've only told me this much. So what I'll do next is basically say, then we're going to structure a formal disclosure because you deserve to hear the truth completely one time versus dragging this out. And you need to have practice sitting with your story and really learning how to yeah. get deep into your heart. Now I'll do this over the course of a couple of meetings, but, but the, the vision of it is basically like, okay, we're going to have a redo on this and we're going to do it correctly. It's like, we're going to oh, like that, you know, you came in with your kind of like your duct tape and bail and wine version of trying to fix this thing up. We're going to take all that apart and we're going to put in some anchors and some bolts and we're going to really lock this thing down so that you don't ever have to go through this process again. Because otherwise it just becomes like a limp in the marriage for the rest of their life. Yeah. Do I really know everything? Were they fully honest? How do I know? We want to get rid of that and have there be a rock solid assurance that, okay, I know everything. Now we're working on current stuff, not past mm -hmm. stuff. That's brilliant. That is. So then if I kind of go back to that concept of being truthful, of telling the truth, uh -huh. I don't know, how, how scared do you see people of that? Or, you know, I, again, I feel like sometimes when people get this thing off their chest, they want to just go back to now. Can we just go back to the way we uh, were? Yeah, it's awful. Right? Yeah. I mean, the telling, the, telling the truth is so scary, especially when, when you're up against losing that secure bond with the other person, mm -hmm. right? Like innately, mm -hmm. we, we just are so, we're just constantly on guard against losing that secure yeah. bond. We just, we're defenseless. And so we'll do almost anything, including manipulate somebody with lies. Yeah. That's how strong our commitment to security is. And a lot of people think, well, they're doing this because they, they don't respect me or care about me or they hate me. And it's like, no, it's because they don't want to lose you, but it's a terrible outcome. It's not okay. So yeah, telling the truth is terrifying. But again, part of what 
good recovery looks like for a couple is learning how to tell the truth first about the big behaviors mm-hmm. and they, they get practice through that disclosure process. But then they learn how to tell the truth just about, let's say, how they're feeling or what they Absolutely. want or what they need. And those, those can feel like secrets. I don't dare tell them that I'm lonely. I don't dare tell yeah. them that I, want, that I want to have more sexual intimacy. I don't dare tell them that that hurts my feelings. And so they start to learn and practice telling the truth so that if they can tell the truth about that stuff down the road, it's less likely they're going to end up having other secrets that are much more consequential. Absolutely. And I feel like, uh, and I say this so often, but I want this, I want to hear more from you today, but uh, we're so afraid of contention that we avoid tension altogether, but that tension is where the growth can happen. But you nailed it. We're so afraid of any tension because what if they leave? What if this is too much? And I feel like, oh, they're closer than they think to where that, that really can be an amazing growth opportunity. We're different. We're different people. I mean, we are. And so, and I feel like this is where we get this chance to now have a relationship where there's, there's legitimate curiosity because we can be different instead of that fear of like, I don't know if I'm too different, you know, they might leave. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think it takes a while to get there. I, yeah. I you know, I, I know even just my own 25 year marriage, like the kinds of questions I'm able to ask now and the kinds of security we have, like I wouldn't have had that first five, no. 10 years in, there's no way. And so with couples that are coming out of a betrayal or coming, you know, trying to rebuild trust, safety first. They have to, you know, they have to know that it's not going to keep happening. They have to know that their partner is in deep accountability and remorse. They've heard everything. And then that intimacy, that curiosity that you're talking about, mm-hmm. being able to tolerate differences and ask for what you need and, and really kind of embrace a lot of disowned feelings and wants and needs and desires, all that stuff. Man, that's just good material to work it with is. for the rest of your marriage. I mean, that's to me, that's the gold. And the couples that avoid that stuff or, you know, shove it down, ignore it or shame it or criticize it like that, just to me, they're missing out on what marriage was designed for. Because my individual growth as a man, I mean, has skyrocketed because of feedback from my own wife about absolutely that just weren't working for her. And yeah. I have to look at myself and what I'm bringing and man, it's just like dynamic and rich. Yeah. Okay. I want to get to some trust things. I want to throw theory out. And as I'm saying this, I might end up have to edit it out because it might go against the very marriage course that I'm trying to pitch. But I've noticed <laughs> that in, you know, in my mind, it's the people that have had the most success in, in even um, my marriage course are those that have, they've been through some things. And, and I have this vision where I would love to teach every young couple to, we don't let, how about we get to the point where we don't have to go through so much and we learn how to communicate and be vulnerable and deal with tension and we can be different and that sort of thing. But as I, I almost want to say, as I beta tested some of these principles on newlyweds, you know, and you kind of, oh, but you know, you need to express this or the assumption of good intentions or, you know, don't tell them they're wrong or questions for comments. They're like, not, nah, you know, it's really not a big deal. And that's where I want yeah. to say, okay, but it's going to, things are eventually going to become a big deal. How about we go ahead and start talking about them now? And I'm finding that it's the old people don't know what they don't know. You know, they totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We, we got to solve that one. We got to figure yeah. that one out. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think, I think it's experiential and I think that we have to, mm. I don't know. I just think that the longer I'd live, the, lo- the longer I do this with clients, my own marriage and stuff like that. I, I just don't want people to be afraid of embracing. I mean, as much as I don't want people to like be betrayed sexually or some of the sure. things we're talking about, something's going to go wrong, right? Somebody's yeah. there's, there's something's going to go sideways. There's going to be some hurt somewhere. And I I just want people to know what to do with that when it shows up. 
yeah, whatever that is. And because it's experiential, like like the gut level, like nervous system instinct response I have, the love, the connection I have with my wife, that's been forged out of a lot of trial, a lot of yeah. heartache, disappointments, misunderstandings, you know, even some betrayals that have been really damaging around mm. in our own relationship, things that we had to work through early on that were just so hard. And I would never be able to probably get that gut level instinct and those kind of that rock solid commitment and some of these things that I feel today without that. And I don't know that we need to like engineer those conditions for right. couples. They're just, you put two people together, stuff's going to happen, man. It is, it is. And if they've got the framework and they, they yeah. you know, they're going to get through it. Okay. So can you talk to me and again, full uh, authenticity and I was going to say full disclosures, that's in my head. Um, I kept, <laughs> I kept saying, you know, when we were trading messages about today, I'm like, Jeff, you're the, I want to know, I want to hear you talk boundaries, but then as I would go deep dive more into the material that you provide, you have this trust boot camp, this trust workshop. So, and then when we jumped on before we hit record, I was just saying, do we talk about trust? Do we talk about boundaries? And what are your thoughts on are differences, similarities? Where do we go from here? Oh man, you know, boundaries are, a lot of people think of boundaries just as for the person that, you know, has been betrayed. Like, oh, I need boundaries to protect myself you know, from being lied to or being taken advantage of or being abused or whatever. And absolutely like, I mean, that's mm -hmm. to me is sort of like the, the obvious boundary stuff. But if you think about people that break trust, you know, they have serious problems with boundaries. They aren't, a lot of times they're self-neglecting, you know, they're not, they're not even paying attention to their own needs and desires and stuff. And so there's, they're crossing lines there. That could be like not getting enough sleep or not eating correctly. I mean, just physical maintenance stuff. Yeah. Or it could even be, you know, flirting or other boundaries around other people or, you know, poor digital habits or, I mean, the, the list of boundaries can go on. That could be like not saying no to stuff or taking yeah. on too much or having, you know, terrible work habits or, I mean, people pleasing. So boundaries to me are just the framework of, of how to live a really emotionally and physically and emotionally and spiritually healthy, balanced life. I, I don't think you can separate out boundaries from almost any discussion because, that's what keeps us upright. That's what keeps us healthy and functioning. And that's, I believe boundaries are what bring us joy. Yeah, no, I love that. I really do. I talk with uh, Preston Pugmire who helped me create this course. And we talk about the concept of presence and radiance and, you know, the, the flowing river and the riverbank or the artwork and the picture frame or, and so in that concept of a boundary that we do need something to kind of keep things, what's the right way to put that? So I don't know. So something can be more, there can be more structure to it. I don't know. So it, it, it doesn't just go everywhere. Right. I might edit that. <laughs> I <was> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Like, I mean, in terms of, are, are you asking like, I, I like the idea of personal boundaries because I feel like when yes. I am just kind of all over the place and at times where I've said, oh, well, that's just my ADD as I just did right there. Or, you know, well, this is just the way I vibe. But when there's more of that structure in terms of personal boundaries with regard, like you say, to time, you know, uh, self-care, saying no to things, basically all the last four or five things you just listed, that then, you know, I do feel a lot more productive. I feel more connected. And so I really like that idea of, of starting with the personal boundaries. I really like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I just know that a lot of the heartache and pain, you know, when I've put it on other people like, well, that person's not giving me what I need or this, whatever. Mm -hmm. I have to look very clearly and say like, have I even asked for it? 
Have yeah. I ever, have I even set any clear expectations? Am I managing even my schedule or my time or my business? Am I showing up in a boundaried, healthy, clear way? And when I do, I find that most people adapt and adjust and things go pretty dang well. But when I'm not boundaried, when I'm just chaotic and all over the place, then man, I just invite so much trouble into my life. Hey, can I ask a specific question and, and tell me your thoughts on this? I, I appreciate when you were saying a lot of times we think about the betrayed is the one that then needs to set the boundaries, which I, I totally agree. Yeah. But I have had those times where even when you put the a betrayal trauma structure in place where the person who who the betrayer will kind of be there for the, you know, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be here for you. And I'm going to, uh, you know, in EFT language, maybe the attachment injury apologies, and I'm going to show you that I'm not going to go anywhere. But then when it continues to go at times, and, you know, I've been trying to work with people to set that boundary to say, man, I, I'm here, but I feel like we're starting to get into some really unhealthy territory or unproductive conversations. And I don't know, do you, do you have any thoughts on that, what that boundary looks like for the betrayer without it feeling like they're just running away from a, a conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a really sensitive one. And I, I, t- I do talk about this in the course. Okay. I, I, I get into it specifically around even like, what if the betrayed starts becoming abusive? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like what if, what if they start okay. becoming verbally abusive or physically abusive in some cases, which I've had people get their nose broken or, you know, I've had, okay. you know, where people just really get aggressive because they're so hurt. Yeah. You know, so does the betrayer have any right to say, hey, that doesn't work for me, or is that just part of them taking it because right. they because they broke trust, so they should just take whatever's given to them? You know, I think that I mean, obviously, in extreme examples like we're dealing with legal things like physical yeah. violence or stuff like that, of course, they need to be able to set boundaries and protect themselves. But when it comes to that that line of you know, do I have any rights to express my needs? The thing is, is that I believe everybody everybody's feelings are valid, everybody's needs are totally legitimate. It's a triage thing. It's basically being able to say, if you're deep in your accountability, if you're deep in your honesty around the impact you've had, and you're listening to your partner talk about how hurtful it was, that may feel like you're being abused. But the truth is they may just be sharing a lot of like truthful, hurtful things about the impact you've had on them. And for you to bail out of that and say like, well, I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to be talked to that way. That would damage more trust. That's a problem. Yeah. and. On the other hand, if the betrayed partner is saying things like, you know, you effing this and that, and I hate your guts and I don't want to be like, there might be, again, it's like climate versus weather. Like if there's an occasional lightning bolt of that, you probably ought to just take it and Mm. have some compassion. But if it's the climate, if it's like, you've now moved into this, like really tumultuous, verbally attacking kind of aggressive climate, that's just like that every single day in and out, every conversation then it's important to, to basically describe this. Okay, this is a pattern. This is actually destructive for the betrayed to be, I mean, they're obviously in so much distress. I can't let this continue anymore. And I'm not going to do it from a place of self-protection as much as I'm doing it from a place of, I'm protecting the relationship. I'm protecting uh, her like or him. I'm protect, like, this is just unhealthy. Yeah. So I, I think if it's coming from a place of self-preservation, in my experience, that's generally coming from, avoidance. But if it's coming from a place of this is toxic, this is really damaging, we're not getting anywhere, that's going to land a little differently. Does that make that's sense? That's so good. Oh, Jeff, it makes so yeah. much sense. And so so that's you say that's covered in your in your workshop and your course. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. I lo- I know I'm grateful. I'm grateful that 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 is there cuz I think that will give 
and I, what I like about when I was even reading about your course, I mean, I think sometimes people just want to know that there is hope or there is a plan. Oftentimes I feel like that's enough to keep somebody engaged in the process. And so I like that if anybody's hearing this and they are the betrayer that uh, just to know that, okay, yeah, it's normal for them to feel at times like this is too much. And I love the climate versus weather. I really do. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So how do people start in your opinion? And again, I, I want people to take your course because I want them because it's, I mean, now it sounds like I'm doing the sales pitch for you, but it goes into so much detail and I want people to be able, this is such a, a big topic that I think it needs more than, you know, 15, 20 minute discussion on a podcast. But in that vein of giving people hope, what do you tell people as far as how to start rebuilding trust? Well, the, f- the first place. So if, are we talking to the person who broke the trust where they can start or the couple? That's a, uh, I think the couple, I, I mean, I would love to know, you know, because I think, well, I don't know you, you tell me, where do you go with that? Well, there's kind of two, I guess there's, you know, we talk about there's three, right? There's the, there's two individual recoveries. Yeah. And then there's this couple recovery. Yeah. The couple recovery clearly depends on, it depends on how well those individual recoveries are going. So mm-hmm. if you have one person who's working really hard, so, you know, a lot of the times you'll have uh, the betrayed who's super motivated because they're hurting so badly. So they're, yeah. they're motivated and they're, they're coming, they're working and working. And then the, the person who's been unfaithful or betrayed the relationship is being dragged in like that dynamics, you know, in terms of where to start, it's going to be hard to do any marriage stuff there. So where we're going to start is we're probably, I'm probably going to start working on helping, you know, if both people are coming in, I'm probably going to split them a little bit and mm-hmm. work a lot with just creating some safety and some containment with the betrayed so that they can just get their emotional bearings and get some safety and get some clarity about what's happened to them, what they need. A lot of the times they're in trauma, they're dealing with physical stuff. You know, sometimes if there's sexual betrayal, we have to make sure that they're safe, even go get STD tests. You know, it can, it can get really hard to try yeah. and, you know, help people feel safe. And with the person who broke the trust early on, I'm just, I'm in a lot of ways, it's sort of like, it's kind of like the old 12 step thing. It's like, even just helping them wake up to the fact that they even have a problem. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of the times, you know, they, they may come in just wanting to get this over with. And so I'm, what I'm wanting to do is help them settle into the journey, help them settle into the benefits of rebuilding this thing from the ground up. And that's going to come from honesty, mm-hmm. transparency, accountability, caring about, and really recognizing that they are a source of comfort to their partner if they'll do this mm-hmm. work. They're so in touch with the fact that they're a source of pain, but they don't realize that they're actually a huge source of comfort if they'll do the work. No, I love it. I do. And I feel like that helps people understand that, again, there is a plan or there can be this structures, which Mm -hmm. means there is hope. So I I almost feel like I'm realizing the more I'm asking these questions that they are a bit ambiguous. I, I feel like I'm almost asking the, what the Huffington Post, you know, seven things to rebuild trust and you'll never believe number four kind of a thing. You know, and I don't know if you have that kind of advice that you even give people, or if they're in this kind of a situation, it's so much more than just that, really. Yeah. 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 I do have an acronym that I use in the course quite a bit, which is ACT, which is stands for accountability, compassion, and time. And those principles for the person who broke the trust are critical that, you know, it all comes back down to if they want to be a safe person, if they want to be a trustworthy person, they have to learn to live in accountability, and not be afraid of that. Okay. And and that's that's going to show up in lots of forms. And I and I tell people all the time, look, there's no expiration date on your accountability. It's mm. not like you can be accountable for the first 6 months and then after that you can't say to your partner, "Hey, you can't bring this up anymore because exactly. I already took care of that." Right? It's 
no, you're accountable. If I betrayed my wife, I mean, I, I remember when I first was married to my wife, like we were married like two weeks and I totally hurt her feelings. It involved like my ex-girlfriend. I ran into her on campus, didn't introduce my wife. My wife is sitting right there feeling stupid. It just, the whole thing was such a mess and I was so immature. And to this day, sometimes it'll come up as even as a joke at, you know, we'll j- laugh about it with other people or tell stories. And I, I'll seriously get back in the car and say to my wife, like, you know, I know we're joking about that, but like, seriously, I'm just so sorry that that happened. Yeah, I mean, I love that. that's just like, no, no brand new wife should have to like, feel so stupid and humiliated. I'm so sorry. I still feel really badly about that. Mm-hmm. Like that accountability 25 years later is so important. And then the compassion, of course, is just caring deeply about the impact you've had on your partner. And that, that compassion shows up everywhere. It's like, I care about your pain and I will make sure that I am the kind of person that will soothe it, tend to it. That's proximity, closeness, softness, kindness. Like I'm just going to be a source of comfort for you. Mm-hmm. And then the time thing is it's not only, you know, it's going to take a long time, but it's just multiple times that there's, yeah. this is going to be repeated over and over and over again. It's going to be like, yes, we've had this conversation before and we'll, we'll have it again. And this might feel like a broken record, but the repetition is going to help you start to experience me as a consistent, safe person. So that is so good. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that part I love, cause I feel like, and I'm sure you hear this often too, where, well, how, how many times are we going to have to go through this? And uh-huh. it's as many as you need to. And I love what you said so that I can show them that I can be there for them. I can be consistent. And I love when you see in this scenario, let's say it's the guy again, where they look at it like, oh no, I know what to do with this. I'm grateful that she's expressing this trigger or this hurt because I know what to do with this. And knowing that the wrong thing is the, look, we've already talked about it. You know, when are you going to get over this? Absolutely the wrong thing. And I think there is that fear of, well, what if this goes on forever? And that's where I want to say, okay, what if, but if we're doing the work each time, then we're not going to, we're maybe not going to need to worry about that. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I love it. So the, the acronym is wonderful. Uh, so that helps a lot too. So any other thoughts there? I feel like, uh, I feel like I had an aha moment about five minutes ago where it, it really isn't just these cliches. I mean, it's, it's being willing to get in there and do the work and admit to the things that you don't know, because no one's been through this process until they've been through the process. And so going in there with humility and not going in there with uh, trying to tell their, their spouse how they're supposed to experience this trauma or pain. Yeah. And I, I tend to not be very good at like acronyms and, and breaking things down into steps in general. It's just not one of my strengths. So I don't, I don't think like that, but I also think that this trust building process doesn't play well to that. Like you were saying, I, I think that what I want them to do is to tune in and settle into, settle into a, a journey of being curious and understanding the way that they've impacted their partner. Because if you start getting into steps of like, well, you do this and this and this and yeah. this happens, it almost kind of creates this environment where the the person who, like you're almost kind of creating like a finish line. And I want yes. people to say like, this is not, the goal isn't to like get through it. The goal mm-hmm. is to integrate this into your story and have this become something that draws you both closer together so that you feel like you've overcome something together. Yeah. And, and instead of just like, well, we got past that, let's never talk about it again. I think you're missing a huge opportunity for deep intimacy long-term it takes years though, for people to really get there. And I want them to settle in for the long journey. 
And I love the concept of settling in. I love that yeah. where um, when people say, well, okay, but if we're still doing this in a year and, and I often want to just stop them and say, we're, that's the entire wrong paradigm totally. to work from, right? Right. It's like, I hope that they still feel like they can come to me and bring something up in a year because I want them to know that we can have these conversations because that's going to mean we can have all kinds of conversations. And I feel like that's that part where people don't even understand what that relationship can look like because they didn't see it modeled maybe growing up. And they certainly haven't had to be this honest yeah. and accountable until this happened, which is going back to what I think you and I were talking about. I don't want to create a, something that is going to make this happen. But right. boy, when we, yeah, when we got this opportunity... Let's kind of let's do this. I I want to throw, I want to random train of thought, but you know, I do a lot of my podcasts talking about marriage and I've been talking so much lately about interdependent versus codependent, you know, then, Mm -hmm. and so we're interdependent, then we're, and then when you're differentiated where one person ends, the other begins. And, and, you know, when we're breaking free from this enmeshment or this codependence, and as we become differentiated, it will come with some invalidation. And I think that's where that uncomfortable place is. And that's where I feel like, and here's where I'm going with this is, I feel like what we're talking about is I will have people sometimes say, wait a minute, if I'm my own, if we're interdependent and we're differentiated, then that sure doesn't sound like a marriage. And that's where I'm saying, well, you you don't even know what that looks like because that is safety and that's curiosity. And now we're going through the life, going through our life, being able to say, hey, what do you think about that? And we're processing emotion as a couple. And that is just something that is beautiful, but people don't know what that even looks like until they're there. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. 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 It reminds me of that quote. And then I'll paraphrase it from Anthony DeMello, who, who basically said something like, you know, we don't really love people. We love the idea of people, mm-hmm. right? We love the idea of what we think they should be. And that's, that's that lack of differentiation. That's, yeah. that's basically, you know, in my own marriage, like I, like I can honestly say I did not love my wife in a mature love when I first married her at age 22, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love the idea of her. I love the idea of a wife and who I thought she was. But as I've gotten to know her, I've had to confront a lot of things that are very different than how I do things. And, mm. and that challenge, you know, if, if she were just to kind of like mold into the version of what I thought she should be, I'd be a very unhappy person. And I think she would too. And so, yeah, the richness is in, and to me, it's like endless curiosity. If you ever wonder, yes. like a lot of couples are like, well, we have nothing to talk about them all. Oh, but if you're <laughs> both like really healthy individuals and you have things going on and opinions and thoughts and things that you're interested in exploring and preferences. Oh, that's given me all the material I need to talk about with my wife. <laughs> well, Jeff, that's so good. And I feel like I love what you're saying. Cause I feel like I thought, I mean, we will hit 31 years of marriage here in just a, a month or so. Awesome. And, and awesome. I, and I, but it's the last even few that the more yeah. that there is that differentiation, my wife, you know, she might dress a little bit more stylish. She might wear a little more jewelry or things that I know that in a less mature version of that, I talk to guys all the time. We're like, well, geez, well, why, why are you wearing that? Versus, uh, oh man, I love this. Tell me more. Like, tell, tell me, me, tell more. me. That's right. Oh, and, and where, you know, and it breaks my heart to think if there was a part of her that felt like she can't be herself because the fear of, well, I don't know. I don't know if Tony's going to like it or not, you know? And, and that's that part where I feel like people don't even know what that looks like to say, oh, I, you know, okay, this is different, but tell me more not, well, this is different. What's this all about? And right, it's a whole different energy your partner as an individual. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is just, and I think we get married. I, I know I did a, a lot of couples get married because of how that person makes you feel. Yeah. Like we talk about it like, oh, they're amazing. Cause they make, they make me feel so loved or me, 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 <laughs> egocentric. But yeah, I think mature love is really about 
you know, it's like we do with our kids. Like we don't want them to just be like carbon copies of us. We want to really mm-hmm. get to know them and figure out what their journey is. And I just feel honored that my wife wants to take her journey with me. Oh, you that's know? so good. That's right? so good. Yeah. Um, she chose me to have it with pretty awesome. No, that, thank you for the, I mean, now like, I know what our next topic will be. I'd love to, you know, let's go deep into differences in marriage or differentiation next time with spouses yeah. or mature relationships. I mean, I could talk to you about that all day too. I love that. Oh, I really do. I do. Yeah. Okay. This was better than I even imagined, Jeff. So thank you so much. And then, Tony, uh, so it's I, awesome. it is, I want people to go take your course. So tell them where to go. That always sounds funny to me. Tell them where to go, Jeff. Um, but tell them, <laughs> tell them where to get your course. And then, uh, you've been very kind to give, uh, my, my people, my people a code. Um, yeah. so yeah, where do they go? Yeah, I'm offering, I, I definitely want your, your listeners to, to access the course and, and, uh, there's a 15% off coupon, virtual couch, 15, virtual couch, 15. Thank you. Virtual couch. Just put that in at check-in to save you 15% on the course. But yeah, it's a 12 week course, one lesson or one module per week. And there's like four or five, three or four lessons inside each module with videos and worksheets. And, and then as part of the course, I, I offer a, a one year question answer live monthly webinar with me where you can get on and That's ask good. questions and connect with me and, and get additional support. Cause I know it takes longer than 12 weeks. I just do the lessons over 12 weeks and then you can have a year to kind of work things out and get, get support. But yeah, you can just go on my website, jeffstewart.com. If you don't know how to spell my name, which is really hard to spell, um, you can just yeah. go to <laughs> from crisis to connection.com. That's another website and, and you'll okay. see it on there under courses. Yep. Well, I'll have, I'll have links to everything too. And I really Perfect. do mean it. I mean, the, I don't know if you've gotten a lot of feedback, but I now point people who are struggling with faith. I mean, we didn't even talk about that, but that's what we, I loved talking with you about that. I mean, yeah. we, we covered stages of faith. We covered faith journeys. We covered, I mean, so I've been pointing people that are coming to me for that to your podcast, because I just, I appreciated your, you know, you've been answering all the questions amazing here, but you're, you're an amazing interviewer as well. And you've been getting a lot of uh, pretty darn amazing guests on your podcast as well. So I highly recommend that too. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I love podcasting. Yeah. So uh, we will do it again soon. Okay. I look forward to it, man. And I cannot believe kid therapy, communication degrees, (laughs) the whole thing. Just, I don't know what we'll find out next, but uh, I I can't wait. So, all right, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks, honey. Once again, if you want to see Tony's work and the great stuff he's doing, you can find him on his website, tonyoverbay.com. And of course, his podcast is called The Virtual Couch and you can check him out there. Thanks again, Tony. It's so cool connecting with you. It's just awesome to find another therapist out there who has the same passions that I do. And man, I just look forward to whatever we might be able to cook up in the future, collaborate on projects or whatever we might get ourselves into. Just a real honor, real privilege to spend some time with you. So thank you so much. And for all you listeners out there, once again, thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for supporting this podcast. All your feedback and comments are just amazing to me. I was just at a retreat this weekend and a really awesome group of women were there and a couple of them came up to me and just wanted to reassure me and they looked me straight in the eyes and said, Jeff, really, you need to know your podcast saved my marriage. Or, hey, Jeff, you need to know my husband heard this one episode on this this subject and it, it changed everything for me. So, wow, amazing. I am so grateful that the incredible guests that I have on here, the content they're sharing, the stuff we're creating here, is blessing life. So let me know. I love hearing from you. Let me know how it's helping you. Shoot me an email or drop me a line on my website or on social media. And I'd love to hear what's working for you and any topics or suggestions you might have. 
I've got a great group of guests coming up, always finding great people to talk to. And I definitely want to make sure it's giving you what you need as well. And of course, I've created a brand new course, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, Healing from an Affair for Couples. And so you can go check that out on my website, fromcrisistoconnection.com. And you can find it under the courses area. It's on Udemy, which means that it's going to be very low cost and will get, get you access to some great information right away. So go check that out. And of course, follow me on social media, connect with me anywhere. You can find me on the podcast, leave comments, my website, shoot me a note. I'm everywhere. So just make sure you reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Honestly, I read everything you send me. So I really do appreciate your support. Okay, guys, look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Thank you.